lifting up his name. And uh, I want to talk to you tonight from, from an unusual passage of scripture that uh, is, is often overlooked and rarely, rarely preached on or talked about. But with it being the time of year where unfortunately, tragically, people are focused on demonic things and often often think of the demonic as something to be laughed about or something to be imitated. People dress up as witches and ghosts and goblins and they think that it's somehow cute. I think that it's good for us to focus on the reality of the spirit world and and how we should take it seriously in our lives and what the ramifications are of being too frivolous or flippant about spiritual things. And so I want to talk to you from this title, the sermon at the seance, the sermon at the seance. And this title comes from, from the story that ensued in the tragic final moments of a backslider. This particular backslider was a king. In fact, he was the first king of Israel. His name was Saul. And this was the final moments of King Saul's life. The Bible says in, in 1 Samuel 28 that Samuel, the prophet, had died. And Saul was, was vehemently persecuting David, who had already been anointed king by Samuel before he died. And in these final moments of Saul's life, he was a complete and total degenerate backslider. He had absolutely zero spiritual connection to God. Ironically, when he had access to the great prophet Samuel, he ignored Samuel and he demeaned the man of God. But now he was facing a, a giant Philistine army. It sounds familiar, much like, much like the beginning of Saul's kingship. He was facing a familiar enemy, the Philistines. And the Bible tells us that, that he, he prayed and God did not answer him. He called for, for prophets and the prophets had no word from God for him. And he was desperate. Even in his backsliding, he had a moment where he needed God. And that's really how it, it is for all backsliders. There's going to be a moment, hear me, if you're a backslider tonight, there's going to be a moment where you need God, where you long to hear the man of God preach to you one more time, where you're hungry for a word of God in your desperate moment. But there was no word from God for Saul. And, uh, but he was so desperate that the Bible says he, he, he made a decision in the middle of the night to secretly find a witch, a medium. In fact, he, he asked his counselors, he said, do you know where a witch is? And they said, oh, yes, king, there's, you've driven most of them out of the, the country, but, 
There's a witch at Endor. If you'll go to Endor, there, there's a witch there. And so in the middle of the night, he disguised himself and he went out to, to find a witch because he wanted her to summon Samuel, the great prophet Samuel from the dead, to preach to him and give him one final word of prophecy. Prophecy. Can I tell you that that when you fall away from God, if you allow yourself to, to lose your connection with the things of God, you will, you will debase yourself in ways that you never dreamed possible. You'll have to disguise yourself in the middle of the night and go places you never dreamed you'd go and do things you never dreamed you'd do and talk to people you never dreamed you'd talk to and consult with spirits you never thought you'd consult with. And this is exactly what happened in King Saul's life. Here he was, a mighty king, a great warrior. And in the middle of the night, he's sneaking around to find a witch, and go to a seance and summon the man of God. 1 Samuel 28 and 12 says, And when the woman saw Samuel, because she really did, she conjured Samuel up from the dead. She cried with a loud voice, and the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. She realized that he, this was just a man in disguise, and really he was King Saul. Presumably, Samuel revealed to her that, that the real identity of the man there was King Saul. 1 Samuel 28 and 14, and, and Saul said unto her, What form is he of? He couldn't see Samuel, evidently. And she said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. Clearly, uh, this wasn't the witch's usual seance experience, and the divination was not of her own power. God allowed the prophet to come up out of the grave one final time to preach one final sermon to a backslider. And it's clear that the spirit of Samuel appears to the witch and he speaks. There's no other way to understand the text in verses 15 and 16 that states that Samuel speaks. This particular story is an example of God bringing up the dead from the grave and bringing down the living to the grave, which was Saul. This is an example of God exalting the humble and abasing the proud. The first book of Samuel begins with, with the song of Hannah. The Lord brings up death. It's amazing. A beautiful song. Hannah said, the Lord brings up death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The second book of Samuel essentially begins with David's lament for the fallen dynasty of King Saul. And its refrain reminds everyone of Hannah's song. How are the mighty fallen? It is God who exalts and God who lays low. When Samuel finally speaks to Saul from the grave, he tells the king what he already knows, that God has judged him for his past disobedience and has given the kingdom to another. The dead Samuel is the same as the live Samuel. He speaks the truth of God. 
King Saul seeking counsel from a witch proves Samuel's prophetic words. Now hear me. It proves the prophetic words of Samuel when he was alive and he first told Saul because of his disobedience. Samuel said rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. In other words, rebellion is just the same as the sin of witchcraft. If you're rebellious, you might as well be practicing witchcraft. And arrogance like the evil of idolatry. If you're arrogant, you might as well consider yourself an idolater because God views it the same way. At the same time, Saul probably thought this was an over-the-top prophetic exaggeration. When Samuel first said it to him in his disobedience, Saul assumed that the man of God was just, was just kind of uh, a little upset and saying some words that, that made him a little uncomfortable, but how wrong he was in his arrogance. God brought the prophet back from the dead to remind King Saul of this truth. The fact that Saul went out to battle the next day proves the truth of Abraham who speaks to all of us from the afterlife saying, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, then they will not be convinced even if someone rises up from the dead. The story of Endor, which reminds us all of the importance and clarity of the divine word. He who speaks to the dead soon joins them. My friends, the spirit and the afterworld and divination and sorcery and witchcraft and arrogance and rebellion are things that a child of God should run from as fast as he or she possibly can. If you find yourself in a rebellious, backslidden state, even if nobody really knows it except you in the depths of your heart, you might think you're just playing with something harmless and the warnings that you hear from the preacher and the warnings you hear from your friends and your family. You might think that people are just exaggerating, but let me tell you, if you continue down this path, you will end up in places you never dreamed possible, consorting with spirits you never dreamed you would be around. And so I call you, if you're a backslider tonight, to come back to the house of God, to run back to the things of God. Cry out to Jesus right where you are and ask Him to forgive you and to refill you with His Spirit one more time. 1 Samuel 28 and 15, I'd like to read this. This is the sermon. This is the sermon that Samuel preached to Saul at the seance. Literally a preacher getting to preach from the grave. How many preachers get an opportunity to preach even after they're dead? But Samuel did, and he said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me? Why did you wake me from the dead? Why did you bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me. What a pitiful place to be. And answereth me no more. God doesn't speak to me, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I have called thee that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Preacher, I can't get God to speak to me. The prophets aren't helping me. I don't have spiritual dreams or visions any longer. And I need you to tell me one more time, what should I do? Then Samuel said, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord has departed from thee and has become thine enemy? In other words, God has become your enemy, Saul, because of your rebellion, because of your backsliding, because of your arrogance. God 
literally fights against you. And the Lord hath done to him as he speaks by me. For the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. In other words, you might be king right now, Saul. You might technically have the authority and the crown, but in the eyes of God, you're no longer king. In the eyes of God, you no longer have authority. And he's already taken prophetically the kingdom out of your hand and given it to him and given to someone who has a heart of worship, to King David. Verse 18, And because thou obeyedest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day, because of your disobedience, Saul. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow shalt thy and thy sons be with me in death. The Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. This wasn't the sermon that Saul wanted to hear. This wasn't the prophecy that he was hoping for. In fact, when I hear a sermon like this from the grave, I often think that if we would listen to the man of God in our lives when we have time, we would avoid all kinds of trouble. Saul wouldn't have been in this place if he would have heeded the voice of God in the past. And so now he has to receive this difficult word. Now you would think that after a prophecy like that, after going to a witch and summoning up the spirit of Samuel and receiving a warning like that, you would think that Saul would make the decision not to go into battle the next day. But he did. And of course, God's word was true, and Saul died that very next day. But I'd like to show you the spirit of Saul that led him to a seance. And I'd like to show you what will lead each of us to the demonic and to backsliding and to reprobateness if we aren't careful. The first, the first sin that put Saul on the road to reprobateness was pride. Pride is, is one of the easiest sins to fall into. And often that we think that pride is, is only for the wealthy or the beautiful. We think that pride is, is only for the powerful. But everyone, everyone can fall into the sin of pride. And pride led to rebellion. Pride will always lead to rebellion. And so pride welled up in Saul's heart and turned into rebellion, and that rebellion turned into direct disobedience to the words of God. Disobedience to the words of God led Saul to false worship. And let me just say this, whenever someone backslides, we live in a generation where, where no one backslides anymore, and if you study the Scripture I don't believe that Saul ever considered himself a backslider. He still called on prophets. He still tried to pray. He still tried to go to church. He still tried to have the facade of someone who was a righteous king. And yet he was completely backslidden and troubled by evil spirits on a daily basis. He literally was trying to kill a man after God's own heart. A man who had done nothing but stand beside him and fight for his kingship. 
This will always lead to false worship. This is why you see people who abandon holiness. They abandon righteousness. They abandon the truth of God's word. They say things like, it doesn't matter how you're, back, how you're baptized. It doesn't matter if you have the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter how you dress. They say, I can watch anything I want to watch and be saved. I can, I can go anywhere I want to go and still be saved. I can live like the world and still be saved. And, and they go to church and they have ooey-gooey feelings and they have a false form of worship. And this is a direct result of pride, rebellion, and disobedience. It always leads to false worship. In fact, many people who claim to be Christians are actually completely bound by the evil spirits that come directly from the bowels of hell. And Saul was at a place in his life where not only was he participating in false worship, he lacked repentance. In other words, he refused to repent of his sin. That lack of repentance led to jealousy. So now he's jealous of King David. This is why backsliders always hate true Christians. They always hate holiness Christians. They always hate people who praise and worship. They hate prayer warriors. They hate people who have a genuine relationship with God. Because when they come around people who have a genuine relationship with God, it exposes them for the fraud that they really are. Saul couldn't stand being around David because David reminded him of what he used to be. He used to have that kind of power. He used to have that kind of anointing, but he lost it. And every time he was around David, he, he had to remember that he was not the man he used to be in God. And so he allowed jealousy to fill his heart. That jealousy caused him to attack people he loved and destroy the lives of people he loved, including his own son, Jonathan, and his own daughter. This led to a disregard for spiritual authority. He began to despise Samuel, the great prophet. He hated his ministry. He hated his prophecies. He hated his preaching. And he thought he could do whatever he wanted to do without listening to the man of God. All of these things combined led him to the occult and to backsliding. Let me just tell you, rebellion and pride really is on par with the spirit of witchcraft. If you are dabbling with rebellion or pride, you might as well be practicing witchcraft because it will take you to the same place. It will take you to the same place. I want to show you quickly six major similarities between David and Saul. David and Saul were not really that different. They were very, very similar, and yet their lives had completely different endings. Number one, David and Saul both had humble beginnings. David was a shepherd. Saul was a farmer. They both sat under the same ministry. They both were raised up under the powerful ministry of the prophet Samuel. They had the same anointing and opportunities. Neither of them anointed themselves or sought authority for themselves. They both had a godly upbringing, godly parents, and they were both natural-born warriors. They were fighters. They were natural leaders. But there were five major differences between David and Saul. 
that caused them to lead very different lives and have very different endings. Number one, David learned how to worship God himself rather than depending on the worship of others for his strength. Whenever Saul was troubled by evil spirits, he had to call for David to come do the worshiping to drive the spirits away. If you don't know how to worship, you better learn how to worship. Because if you learn how to worship, it will cause your life to have a drastically different ending from those who do not know how to worship. Number two, David responded to spiritual rebuke with repentance and great sorrow. David had tremendous sin in his life, just like Saul did. The difference between David and Saul was that whenever David had a man of God bring a convicting message to him, he got down on his knees, he buried his face, and he cried out to God in humility and asked God to forgive him. Number three, when David saw a giant problem, he didn't hide from the problem. Remember, Saul hid from the giants and David went towards the giants. Number four, David learned how to serve before he became a leader. This is very, very important. If you want to be a leader that has a right spirit, you have to be a servant first. Number five, David understood the importance of personal cost and sacrifice. David understood that he could not accept the blessings and benefits of God for free. But the benefits of God required something from him. We see this illustrated so powerfully in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 21 through 25, when Aruna wanted to give a threshing floor, a parcel of land to King David. David needed a place to worship. David needed a place to offer sacrifices to God quickly. And Aruna said, I'll just give you this land, King David. You can have it. But David said, no, I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. In other words, David said, I'm not going to give God something that doesn't cost me anything. If I'm going to give God a sacrifice, the sacrifice has to cost me something. And you need to understand this in your walk with God. If you want to have power and anointing and leadership, and authority. And if you want to be able to overcome the difficulties of life, you're going to have to realize that it's going to cost something of you. Anointing costs something. Power costs something in God. And David understood that sacrifices had to come from him and no one else could sacrifice on his behalf. In closing, I'd like to read Psalm 27, verse 7 through 14, the Psalm of David. And this, I think, illustrates so powerfully the difference between a backslider and someone who was imperfect yet knew how to turn to God in their imperfections. Here's what David said. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou said, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me. O God of my salvation, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted, 
unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. If you're in a difficult place right now in your life, and you're tempted to turn to something other than the Lord, can I encourage you in closing tonight to wait on the Lord? Perhaps you feel like God is far from you. Turn to Him in repentance and wait on the Lord and allow Him to direct you, allow Him to strengthen you, and allow Him to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. Whatever valley you're going through, let the Lord be your guide. Don't let anything else try to lead you because everything else is a false substitute. Everything else is a fraud and it can't bring you through the valley and it can't bring you in to joy and peace and righteousness. And so let me pray over you today. We miss you and we look forward to seeing you in person again. Let me pray over you in your home. If, if you have your family there, if you have a loved one or a friend there, why don't you just reach over and pray for someone right now and let's, let's close in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray God that we wouldn't have to call out something from the dead to preach to us one final time. I pray that we would serve you right now. I pray that we would abandon the spirit of rebellion, the spirit of pride. I pray, Lord, that we would not count spiritual things as trivial, but that we would take them seriously in these final days, that we would serve you with all of our hearts when we fail, and we will fail. I pray that we would have the spirit of David that turns to you, and cries out to you in repentance, Lord. And I pray in our dark hours, we would allow you to lead us. I pray that when we can't see the way in front of us, we would call on you to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That's our prayer tonight, Lord. Bless every family. Bless every single person under the sound of my voice right now, whether it's live or in the days and weeks to come. I ask that your blessings would fall on them. I ask that your spirit would move in them. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you tonight.